You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Yes, indeed. It is a tough week here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. All you fans know by now what happened on Sunday night in Arlington, Texas. Very, very difficult loss for the team, leading by 10 in the fourth quarter and then falling to the Cowboys 29-23 in overtime. Eagles, of course, had the 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. Thought they would be able to hold on to it. But then once the game goes to overtime, you think, hey, the Eagles won here in overtime last year. Maybe we'll have that same magic and just didn't happen. And you hate to say it, but at the end of the day, it's a loss, but it was a fun game. And I think it was a fun first edition in the new rivalry, if you want to call it that, between the Carson Wentz-led Eagles and the Dak Prescott-Ezekiel Elliott Cowboys. Will it be the Dak Prescott-led Cowboys in the rematch on January 1st, 2017? I don't know how you could take Dak Prescott out of the lineup at this point. Tough loss, no question, but the Eagles have to bounce back very quickly because the good thing is it's our last road game in the division for the season. The thing is they don't have a win in the division or in these road games to this point. So, And they've played two close road games against Washington and against Dallas, but I mean the Washington game wasn't as close as this last game was, mm-hmm. but the Eagles have had a lot of success against the Giants on the road at MetLife Stadium the last few years, so... We'll see if they can get back on the right track this weekend. All right, so this week on the podcast, we're going to profile seventh-round pick Jalen Mills, a fan favorite since the time he arrived in Philadelphia, four-year starter at LSU, overcame a bad injury his final year at Baton Rouge. It seemed like he was going to be out for the season. He fractured his leg, tore ligaments in his ankle in August, just before the season was about to get underway. Well, he came back and played the second half of the season but lasted until the seventh round. There was an off-the-field incident that might have impacted his draft stock as well, but he has been a class act ever since he's arrived here in Philadelphia. He won over fans by dyeing his hair green. You know, this was a position group, the cornerback group, that was looking to infuse some youth. They drafted he along with Blake Countess from Auburn. You know, they signed Leos McKelvin and Ron Brooks in free agency. They wanted some new faces there at cornerback to create some competition. And Mills rose to the challenge. And early on, it wasn't, oh, is this seventh round pick Jalen Mills going to make it? It was like he was cemented. It was like he was a lock to make the squad. And he made a player like Eric Rowe expendable. Rowe, obviously, a second round pick just last year. But with how well that Jalen Mills was playing in training camp and in the preseason, there was no choice but to have him, not even just have him on the roster, but he had to be in that rotation, whether in the slot or outside. He had the ability to play both. And for a seventh-round pick, you don't see that that often. But I think that what we've learned in his time here is that he's not an ordinary seventh-round pick. No, not at all. So amazing backstory. Didn't have a father figure in his life until one of his coaches in high school kind of took that role and filled that void in his life. But Jalen Mills is very charismatic. He's an open book. Really fun interview here. So it's our one-on-one with rookie cornerback Jalen Mills, and later on in the show, his father figure, Aaron Fletcher, he was a position coach in high school, and he is currently now the cornerbacks coach for the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, so we'll hear from him later on in the show. But first, our interview with the rookie, Jalen Mills. So there's a quote in your media guide bio from Malcolm Jenkins. He said that you have really thick skin, and no one has ever had to teach you confidence. Where does that come from? It honestly just comes from one my background from just growing up in single parent home, just my mom and my brother, just having to be tough, you know what I mean? Her, seeing her work all morning, all night, and me and my brother having to be at home by ourselves. I mean, just having to become young men. And then also 
going to college, playing at LSU, you have to have that confidence because you're in the SEC. And I mean, those guys are counting on you. Things are going to happen in the game. You know, people are getting paid just like you. I mean, you just got to be able to bounce back and know that the other 10 guys on the field are playing for you. So you have to play for them. Jalen, what was your childhood like? It was pretty rough. I mean, my mom did our best. We moved from home to home here and there. So I had to adjust a little bit. But for sure, if I could go back and do it again, I wouldn't change anything. What were the types of jobs that she had to be able to support you and your brother? Anything possible. She was the woman who was dedicated to make sure that me and my brother had everything that we needed, for sure. So was your father ever involved in your life at all or? Never, never at all. And what does your older brother do? He works. He has a couple of kids, you know, my niece and nephew. I love them to death. How old are they? He actually has five. Five uh, kids? Yeah. So, uh, do you f- know the ages? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Five, four, three, um, <laughs> two, and one. Yeah, two and, and almost one. So, yeah. So football wasn't actually your first love growing up. Is no, that correct? It wasn't. it wasn't. Basketball was. I didn't start playing football until I was about 11 or 12 years old. When did you start playing basketball? At about, I want to say maybe five, five or six. My mom was a big basketball fan. She actually named me after Jalen Rose. But her favorite player was, of course, Kobe Bryant. She was a big basketball fanatic, so she started me out there. So how did you get into football? My brother played it. I always used to go out to his games and, and watch him play, and I just kind of got into it. Coaches one day told me, come out there and just try it. And as soon as I touched the field, I just took off. So was it like elementary school, high school? When was it you first got uh, on the football field? About maybe sixth grade. First position was the defensive end. I was number 99. <laughs> I mean, big sloppy jersey. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was horrible. So Texas, yeah. you grew up in Texas. I mean, Friday Night Lights is the real deal. Yeah. Was that as exciting to be a part of as we've seen from the outside over the years? Oh, no doubt. I remember my senior year, we had the district game. I was at DeSoto High School. We was playing the Longview Lobos, I think. The game, it was 20,000 people there at a high school football 20, game. 20,000 people. 20,000. You get extra nervous for that? It was anxious nah. or? I mean, the anticipation grows throughout the day because it, it was a night game. You want the game to come, but the focus is there. The confidence is there. And, I mean, you just want to go out there and just showcase your skills. So you transferred to, was it DeSoto High School for your senior year? What was the reason behind that? Just a better school, putting me in a better position to get college views, for them to look at me. I mean, my school, they were pretty good, but it, it was kind of in a rough area of Dallas. Scouts would come here and there, but not really the big scouts. When did you kind of get that idea that you might be able to play football at the college level and maybe even further than that? Going towards the end of my junior year, my high school coach, I talk to him even to this day. You know, he's my mentor. He's like my father. He's actually the defensive back coach now in Tulsa University. He kind of just set me down because I, I was a little troublemaker a little bit in high school. And he kind of just set me down and he kind of realized the talent that I had. He just told me, hey, what you're doing right now on a football field it can take you to any level that you wanted to, but you have to stop doing what you're doing off the field. Him just really sitting down and being the first male figure to really show me that, I mean, he cared for me. You know, that made me just want to focus more on football. So what made you respect him? Because I'm sure you probably said, I haven't had a male figure in my entire life. I've gotten to this point. What was so special about this coach that made you respect and want to listen to him? Going into my junior year at cornerback, that senior class, they may have had nine division one defensive backs and me just being a young guy just playing football because all of my friends played it I just like doing it you know I really wasn't even thinking about going to college for him to tell me that he was focusing on me instead of those guys because those guys are the top guys in the nation and for him to just tell me that he was more focused on me to perfect my craft that mean a lot to me 
So were you always a defensive back? I know you said you started elementary school, peewee level as defensive end. How did you evolve into a corner? I actually played quarterback at first. It was tough, but tried to go to receiver. Then the same coach, he came to me. He was like, hey, man, anybody can play receiver. Anybody can run fast, run routes, catch the ball. If you want to really want to test your skills, try to do everything that the guy's doing forward, backwards. I'm always up for that hard task. And I always want to challenge my skills and, and see if I can do it. Once I got in that position and I got really comfortable doing it, I just felt complete at it. So you started at Texas High School. How come you didn't stay in state? How come you went to LSU? How did, how did the Tigers come about? I just always loved LSU. Those guys, how they played, physical defense, aggressive guys. And coming out of high school, you want to be a part of something great. They had just come off of that national championship year. And I just seen the passion that those guys play with, the energy, and I just wanted to be a part of that. So I ended up not going to any Texas schools and just went to LSU. How was that for your family? You know, you're closer with your mom, your older brother. Was that difficult being far away from them? At first it was, just because it was always me, my mom, my brother. We was always connected. But eventually, my mom and them, they never missed a home game, even some away games. And, I mean, they just supported me. My mom told me any school that I want to go to in in the country, wherever I want to go, she's going to support me and she's going to be there for me. How do you think you kind of found your groove at LSU? Talk about some of the early days and things like that. How do you think you kind of hit your stride there? Just watching those guys in the summertime, the older guys, how they were grinding, you know, in the seven-on-sevens, the one-on-ones that we were doing over the summertime, just seeing those guys just out there being dogs. I seen the type of attitude and the swagger that those guys had, and I kind of just took that on. You know, I, I seen the energy that they was playing with, and I was just like, I want that to be me. I want to be that guy when he makes a play, everybody's looking at him, and everybody's feeding off of him. Or if another player's making a guy, I want to be the guy running all the way from the other sideline, jumping up with him, slapping hands, whatever. You know, I just want to have that. And once I seen that, you just feed off of that. And once you get attached to it, I mean, it's a wrap after that. I mean, LSU is as big time as it gets. SEC won national championships. How did you walk on as a freshman and play right away? Not walk on, obviously, got a scholarship, but get right on campus and be able to make an impact for that team. It was kind of a coincidence. I would end up coming towards camp. I was the third cornerback on the depth chart. I was behind Thurl Simon and Tyron Matthew. And then Tyron ended up getting dismissed. And it was a battle between me and Jalen Collins. He's now played for Atlanta Falcons. It was a second-round pick. And like I said, I just wanted to be that dog. You know, I wanted to be that special person that everybody could feed off of, even as a young guy. It doesn't matter who's on the field. They're going to say rookie, freshman, whatever. At the end of the day, when you make a play, you're making a play for the team regardless. I just got in my mind that I wanted that spot, and I was going to take it, and that was my mindset throughout my whole freshman year all the way to the end of my senior year. So you ended up rooming with Quan Alexander, yep. is that right? What's your relationship with him like? That's my best friend. It's actually crazy, honestly. I'm going to rewind a little bit. My roommates were Quan Alexander, Deion Jones, and Daniil Hunter. Those are my roommates, but me and Quan, as soon as we met, we just jumped off. Me being a skill, him being a, a linebacker, and him seeing me grind and me seeing him grind, you know, you just want those type of guys around you. You want those type of guys who you know are going to put it on the line for you. I think both our work ethics put together, it kind of made us closer, even to this day. When I was training for the combine and even for camp, you know, me and him was working out together and just going at it, competing against each other each and every time we could. What was that time like when you suffered the injury early in your senior year when you have all these dreams of possibly playing in the NFL in front of you and now you have this setback which who knows what it could do to your eventual career? I mean it hurt me. You go from about to leave your junior year, you know I actually told Coach Miles that I was about to leave when he came on my home visit 
Then I, I sat down a week or two just talking to my family, praying to God, and I ended up deciding to come back to school. Last day of camp, a week before the season's about to start, and I break my leg, and it's just like, man, I should have left this past year. May lose my chance to go to NFL. Like, God's going to judge me now on my injury. It's kind of like your whole life flashes in front of you, but I got into a little depressed mode for a little bit, probably about a week once I had surgery and everything. But team supported me, players supported me, mom supported me. And, I mean, they kind of got me out of that, and I just made everything negative, positive. To this day, you know, I'm blessed and I'm in the position that I am. So when you look back on it, do you think that that whole ordeal has helped kind of make you a stronger player today? No doubt, mentally, for sure. And people don't know the stuff that you have to endure during a serious injury. You see the guys out there working hard, practicing, making plays on the field, and you were that guy maybe a week or two ago, and you want to be a part of that. It's just so hard. You want your body to move fast, heal faster, and it just, I mean, time is everything. It's something that you can't move forward or go back. It was hard for sure, but it helped me a lot. Jalen, you only go through the draft process once. You had an interesting experience in that you have an analyst like Mel Kuyper who said, I think this kid's a second-round pick. We all know what happened. You end up going to the seventh round. How did you deal with that aspect where you're hearing from a prominent voice, hey, I could be a second-day pick, I could be selected really high, and in reality, we all saw what came to fruition. I watched the draft, each and every pick, from the first pick until the last pick, even after I was picked. And, I mean, I remember every single team who picked the defensive back in front of me each round. It was something that I just, once the Eagles drafted me, how we got on the phone, I told them, I said, man, you don't know what you did. I'm going to put it on the line for you each and every play. Just going into OTAs and camp, I kind of kept that mindset that the position I am in, being a couple picks away from going free agent, I mean, I was blessed. So each and every time I step on the field, you know, I have that mindset that I'm going to put it on line for the team. Did you look at the roster when you came to Philadelphia? knowing that there were a couple of young guys who were just drafted a year earlier, Blake Countess had been drafted in your class, that, all right, there's a lot of guys I got to get past if I want to make this roster. I didn't, honestly. I really didn't care. You know, I knew once I stepped on the field, I was going to showcase my talents, my skills, and I was just going to let the coaching staff choose, I mean, the guys that they wanted. But for sure, once I got on the field, I was going to showcase my skills. So after you get drafted, you come out to Philadelphia. Was there anything about being a professional at the NFL level that surprised you? Taking care of your body off the field. College, I'm in class all day. During the lunch break, I may go get dominoes. I still have practice at 2 o'clock. I'm like, man, I feel kind of slow a little bit. I feel like I'm (laughs) moving slow. Then after practice, you know, may go get 12-count meal from Chick-fil-A or anything like that. And now you see the veteran guys, you know, and they kind of help me out a little bit with just eating the right stuff, cold tub, hot tub, just really take care of your body. That's the biggest thing for me right now. I listened to an interview that you gave earlier in the training camp, and you said the biggest thing that you wanted to learn this year was the game of football. What did you mean by that, and what have you gleaned from your experiences thus far? Just the mental aspect of the game. Anybody who's out there on the field, I mean, we're in the NFL. This is the elite of the elite. Everybody has those physical traits at their position, or they wouldn't be here. So it's just the mental part, learning just the ins and outs, the little tricky moves that a receiver may try to give you to get open or the defensive backs use to cover a guy a little tighter. Just the little savvy vet moves that those guys use and learning the defensive scheme in and out. Just learning that, that was the big thing for me. You battle your way through training camp and against Washington, you get your first start. Did you know going into that game that you were going to get the start first of all? And what was your mindset? Did it change at all going into that game? I really didn't know. It was more 50-50 because me and Ron were kind of splitting the first team reps a little bit. 
One day, I'll get all the first-team reps and Ronnie come in at nickel. Then the next day, Ronnie get the regular first-team reps. And then when he came in nickel, I'll move to the outside corner. And then right before the game was about to start, like I kid you not, and Washington was on the field, Coach Corey came to me. He was like, hey, you go out there. It was just like, all right, cool. I wasn't nervous or anything like that. I had prepared myself during practice for it. I think I embraced it pretty well. Jalen, when you were fighting to make the team mm-hmm. in training camp, you dyed the hair green. Yep. Do you think that kind of, I put bulls on your back, but you know, it gave you a lot of extra attention. What was the thought process behind it first doing it? And how do you think you handled the fact that there was pictures of you every day and it was like this big frenzy on social media over the hair? Well, for one, it started with a joke when me and one of my friends always was a uh, Dragon Ball Z guy. I always liked those guys, Super Saiyans. I mean, I was going to dye my hair purple at LSU, just the tips, though. I ended up not doing it, and I came to Philly. Green was my favorite color. He was like, hey, man, you should dye your hair green. And, like, for a week or two, I was like, nah. And then right before at camp, I mean, I was just like, I'm going to dye my hair green. We're just going to do it. I wore a hat for a couple of days. I was kind of nervous about it. I mean, but once I got here, I mean, everybody embraced it, and I think I'm stuck with it now. Any of the coaches have anything to say about it when you showed up with it? Coach Swartz. He said, you're going to wear that green hair on your head. You better be covering everybody out here. So, <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was for sure a target on my back with him. <laughs> you're in a defensive back room with guys like Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod and Nolan Carroll, guys who've been in the league a long time and guys who embrace learning more about the game and the film study aspect. What have you learned from that aspect of it from those guys and being around them since the start of OTAs? Their football IQ is, is out the roof. They pick up on things so fast. They might tell me a certain route before I can even see the formation. And, you know, that helps me out so much, puts me in a better position. That just comes from those guys being in the NFL, knowing the game, and really being students of the game. And those guys helping me whenever I ask, that's a big help for me to just be able to put myself in a better position. Have you ever taken a second to just kind of look back and think, just a couple months ago, I was a seventh-round pick who odds are against making the team to now that you've had a chance to start and get quality playing time here at this level? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm thankful to be in my position I'm in. I'm super blessed, and anytime I step on the field, I never take it for granted for sure. Jalen Mills, our guest on this week's edition of the Eagles Inside Podcast, the first player to Snapchat while doing the podcast (laughs) interview. Definitely multi-talented and very blessed indeed. Jalen, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Just a tremendous young man, and seems like that High football IQ, very confident, determined to be a very good player. So when he did the podcast interview, mm-hmm. he was Snapchatting the entire yeah. time. So we were like, well, do you want to take over the Eagle Snapchat account? And uh-huh. he did so for the trip to Dallas. And he was great because he was messing with players in the cafeteria. He gave a behind-the-scenes tour of the equipment room, mm-hmm. was interacting with players as they were coming in the building showed what it was like traveling on the team plane. Just a fun look at what it's like to be a Philadelphia Eagle, but just very comfortable in his own skin and has a very good short-term memory, which is what you need when you play cornerback in the NFL. Jalen really does have a great personality, and that's something that you don't see from a lot of rookies coming in, especially from guys later in the draft or undrafted free agents. They'll kind of you know stay quiet, try to find their spot, and just do whatever it takes to make the team and to play well. But from day one, Jalen Mills has come in here, and he's brought personality. He's been a really fun interview ever since he's been here. He'll talk about anything. He'll be open about anything. It's kind of uncharacteristic for a rookie, but it's certainly been a lot of fun on our end. That's our interview with Jalen Mills. Now we welcome in one of his high school coaches, his position coach in high school, Aaron Fletcher, who is now the cornerbacks coach at Tulsa. Aaron Fletcher 
filled a void in Jalen's life. Jalen talked about not having a father, father not being present in his life. Well, Aaron Fletcher helped fill that role and been a mentor and actually considers Jalen to be like a son. So to learn more about Jalen Mills and to see where he developed that confidence and that personality, let's welcome in Aaron Fletcher here to the Eagles Insider Podcast. You coach at both DeSoto High School and Lancaster High Schools in the Dallas area, and I know Jalen played at both. When did you actually first meet him? We actually met as Jalen was coming into high school, so it was the spring of his eighth grade year is when I met him. I actually coached his older brother as well, just developed that relationship over time. Still going strong now. Were you his position coach in high school? Yes, yes. I was his position coach. And I tell you what, that's a story that we we laugh about all the time because his older brother, Jaquan, was also a defensive back. Jalen was a different one. And it was pretty funny. I knew he was trying to get my attention. So he got my attention initially by going to receiver because he he wanted to be a little different during that time. And he actually wound up coming over and I got him to play corner and safety during that time. That was something we always laugh about. What was your first impression of Jalen? First impression of him, just a competitor. He's always been tough and real competitive. I mean, if you tell him that he can't, he was going to do everything he can to prove you wrong. That was the very first impression I had of him. Aaron, you coached around that Dallas area for a number of years. What are those neighborhoods in those high schools like? A lot of very talented individuals come out of those neighborhoods there. You know, guys that are playing on Sunday morning right now that are from that Lancaster, DeSoto area. You have the Cedar Hill neighborhood that's there. Not too far, you have the Dallas Carter High School, featured on the movie Friday Night Lights, Mm -hmm. and Carter High. So you had a lot of talent over in that area. It was just really competitive, really competitive. A lot of raw talent there. What is that competitive environment? I mean, you mentioned some of the schools, and we all hear about the Friday Night Lights element. What is that kind of environment do for high school athletes coming up through it? One of the things that I've noticed earlier, it just makes kids go out and compete. It's not one of those deals where things are given to them there. And all of them come from different backgrounds. Each neighborhood is different. Each area is a lot different. But they all came to school together. And, you know, football is one of those sports where it brings everybody together, brings everybody together. So those kids were actually able to come together from different Pop Warner teams, different middle schools, and get to those high schools. And they kind of had a reputation. So when they got to high school, it was just competitive. Guys wanted to make sure that they played and that they were the best. That was one of the things that I noticed with Jalen. Jalen wanted to be better than, you know, all of the kids that came before him. You know, he wanted to set that stage and set that precedence to be the best. And you see it all the way around in that whole entire area. It's just, it's really competitive in a really good way. Coach, you mentioned how you also coached his older brother. How long was it before you knew that, Jalen didn't have a father figure in his life or his biological father was not in the picture? Pretty early. We talked about it. And just talking with his brother, Jaquan, we talked about it early. His mother, Kisa, did a, she does a phenomenal job with him as well as his grandmother. So he's got some really, really great women in his family. I never forget. I always talk about his freshman year because we had to have our little bouts during that time. I just remember there's a look in his eye. He was just basically looking for some attention, not in a bad way. There was a look in his eye of need. And I was a younger coach myself just starting out, and that was different. That was more of a need type of deal there. So I noticed it then, and our relationship just took off from there like it does now. It was probably that freshman year. He wanted somebody 
to be there for him, to cheer there for him, a male, somebody that he respected. That's why I started to see, okay, this guy, he doesn't have that guy around him in his life. and It made me become a lot more accountable myself. Coach, I know you have three children of your own. Did you have any at the time? I had my two daughters at the time, and Jalen is big brother to them. <laughs> He's big brother to all of them now. How did you forge that father-son relationship with Jalen? Because when I texted you to ask you to do the interview, you know, the first thing you responded is, Jalen's like a son to me. How were you able to be able to forge that? Just being transparent with him. We were honest about everything. And I think one of the biggest things that you can do is be transparent with a young man at that time and just kind of be open, allow them to talk. I was able to listen to not only what he said, but what he did and see what it is that he was looking for and what he wanted to do. So I would take him home. I'd take him to go visit different schools. I'd take him to camps. And I got really involved in his academics as well to make sure that everything that he said that he wanted to do, he was going about it the right way. You know, we had an old head coach during that time that used to tell him, hey, you can't see your way into college. That was just basically, you can't make C's. Jalen probably made one C the sophomore year up until his senior year of high school. We spent a lot of intimate time with each other, and we very rarely talked about football. We did what we needed to do to take care of football, but we didn't talk about football all the time. Just making sure that he became a better man, that's what I wanted. I wanted him to have and be everything that he didn't have, and I wanted him to be better than me. Aside from just on the football field, where are the areas that you've seen Jalen grow the most in the time that you've known him? Socially, he's a social butterfly. He's a people's person. He loves young people. You see him around little kids, and he'll light up that way. He used to be really reserved into himself. Now he's just an open book. He's really involved in the community back home, and I'm seeing him, you know, get involved there in Philly as well. I saw the same thing with him in Baton Rouge. And just watching how he conducts himself, those have been some of the things that I've noticed. I I watch how he treats people. He's just growing up to be a man's man. That's what I tell him all the time. I'm proud of the man you become. You're becoming that thing that you need, that thing that your kids and your wife will one day eventually need. So that melts my heart, to be honest with you. Coach, how much did you mentor him through the draft process? I was with him throughout that whole time, throughout the time where he had to make a decision before he even made a decision. You know, he actually thought about leaving his junior year. I was with him during that time. I was with him throughout the process of senior year talking about representation and all of those things. We kind of talked about it, and I gave him my experiences as well. We spent a lot of time just gathering information and trying to see what was best for him so he can make the right decision. We stayed in contact all the time, even when he went to go train and senior bowl practices. We talked not every night. It was every other night that we talked. Coach, we only have a couple more questions for you. My last one, in fact, is, How did you or how did Jalen develop his sense of confidence? Because he was drafted in the seventh round, not a lot of late round picks stick in the NFL. And from day one, he just seemed like he belonged here in Philadelphia. And early on in training camp, he entrenched himself into the rotation and it became apparent that he was someone who's going to play as a rookie. And we see him now breaking down position group huddles before the game and displaying a lot of leadership-type qualities. How did he develop the confidence to, even though he was a seventh-round pick, to be able to already establish himself as a key part of the team's defense? I attribute a lot of that to his mom. I attribute a lot of that to, like I said, the area that he came out of. It was really competitive. 
I told you about the look in his eye where he wanted something. He was craving and desiring that male figure in his life, but he also craved and desired to be the best. And I'm going to be honest with you, that's been driving him since I've met him. He's wanted to be the best, and he's always wanted to go against the best. i never forget just different times. I remember talking to him in pregame before his junior year. In his junior year before a game, and there was a kid that had offers from everybody, every top five program in the country. And when I was asking, you know, along the groups, who wanted him? And he said, I did. And that kid's stat line was about as flat as you can get. <laughs> you know, he probably had like one catch for 10 yards, something around that, but Jalen had two interceptions that game. I remember going to camp at LSU that summer, going into his senior year, and it was the same way. You know, he started out, he was competitive, and then he had a moment where he dipped in his production. He was like, uh, I need to get myself together. So we left. Came back the second part of the camp, it was the Jalen Mills show, you know, and the rest is history. So it doesn't surprise me what he's got going on right now. He's a natural leader. Football IQ is off the charts. His work ethic is off the charts. I think the city of Philadelphia, just given the history that they have with sports, he's a perfect fit for that city. We always talk about the iconic sports figures that have come through the city. He is what the city of Philadelphia needs, and vice versa. He needs Philly. It's just been a perfect fit. So to see that, I think it's destiny. Coach, my last question for you. You call Jalen a social butterfly. I'm sure you've seen he's been sporting the green mohawk. What was your reaction when you first saw that? (laughs) (laughs) My first reaction with it was like, look at this here. You know what I mean? It was like one of those deals, you know? (laughs) It it takes confidence to do that, though. Oh, yeah. That's him. You know, it's funny because... He understands the city of Philadelphia. He understands they're two and the same. It started out a little funny because I didn't know he would go there. He walks around, he's very confident, and he wants that love and to be embraced by the city. I love it now. <laughs> I love it. I saw it as him taking on the entire organization and want to take it to another level. He wants to be the face of a franchise. He wants to have a place to call home for himself. That's how I looked at it. You know, That's how I see it now. I know every time I watch a game, when somebody pulls a helmet off or anything, I'm like, oh, that's not him, that's not him. Oh, there he is. I can can tell by the hat. It's cool. Aaron Fletcher, the cornerbacks coach at Tulsa, the Golden Hurricane off to a 6-2 and two start, and obviously the leadership of Coach Fletcher helping out in the defensive backfield, a huge part of it. Coach, thank you very much for shedding some light into the life of Jalen Mills here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Hey, thank you guys. You guys continue to do well, and I'm pulling for you guys as well. All the best. Very deep interview there from Coach Fletcher. And I love seeing the impact. I know we've had a number of coaches here, especially high school coaches. It seems like that's where a coach can really make a difference in a young man's life in terms of not so much the football stuff, but in terms of helping them become a man. High school years are the most formative years in a person's life. So for Jalen to have somebody like Coach Fletcher kind of step up and step in and help guide him to where he had to be, because obviously Jalen had all the talent in the world, maybe had to get some other things figured out to get on the right path and end up where he is today. So I think that Coach Fletcher deserves a lot of credit. And you could just hear it in his voice that how much he he really loves and respects Jalen and respects that bond that they have. And I thought that was really cool. 
All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. If you have a guest request, a comment, question, whatever, make sure to leave it wherever you consume our podcast, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, or on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. We greatly appreciate all the support that we've gotten throughout this season here, and we'll be back with a new episode next week following the Eagles game against the Giants, hopefully the first NFC East win for Philadelphia in 2016. I like the Eagles on the road in MetLife. Something about that stadium, it gives me a good feeling. I think it's a good matchup. All right, we'll roll with that. So on that note, for Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. You've been listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast.